Greetings from Covenant Community of LJ, Georgia. We want to thank you for taking the time to listen to these messages God has provided to our fellowship from His Word. May He bless you richly as you seek Him. We'd like to invite you to be with us in person someday soon. And for information on that, visit us at covenantcommunitylj.com. And now, let's open up God's Word. Colossians chapter 1, verse 12. Colossians chapter 1, verse 12. We're studying the book of Colossians. And as our children run to children's church, I like to see them running there. We have... Um, love to see them going back. We have men and women who give time and effort to minister the word to them in several different ways. And uh, I'm thankful uh, for that. Some churches, they just say whoever will do it and if they can get some, somebody. Uh, but I'm thankful that we have godly men and women who are uh, mature Christians that can go back and try to help them. You know, when we're witnessing with somebody, witnessing to somebody in your bulletin there, every week we have several questions. What's the first question? Do you believe in spiritual things? Everybody say that with me. Do you believe in spiritual things? You see, that can open the door. You can say, well, how do I start a conversation with this person? How do I start the conversation? Just ask the question, do you believe in spiritual things? And your job is not to argue with them. Then just listen to what they've got to say. They'll tell you what they think. If they say, well, what do you mean spiritual things? We'll say, is there a God? Are there angels? Is there a devil? Uh, Do you believe in spiritual things? And they'll tell you what they think. And you just say, wow, that's interesting. The next question is the one we want to talk about today. What's the second question? In your opinion, because this is what you want to know, who is Jesus Christ? In your opinion, who is Jesus Christ? And generally, they have an opinion. And they will tell you what they think of Jesus Christ. Some say, well, he was a great prophet. Some say, well, uh, he, he was God. Some people uh, say this, some people say that. What do you say? Who is Jesus to you? Don't already start talking before I even get going. Back row. You. Thank you. Pay attention. Uh, Jesus Christ, we want to talk about him today. We want to magnify him today. We want to lift him up today. And I hope that as you leave this place today, Jesus Christ will be Stir it up again. Wonderful. In your heart. In, in Colossians chapter 1, uh, verse 12, it says, uh, and I know we're breaking into a thought, but we've been studying there. I just want to remind you of the gratefulness we should have. You know, giving thanks to the Father. You know, I, I think of the, the people who are trying to immigrate into our country. Now, for us, we've got other political problems with that, but immigrating into our country The reason they come here is because this is the promised land for so many people. This is the place of opportunity. Uh, You you, you give them a chance and they will work. They will open up doors. They will go accomplish all kinds of things. They want to come for opportunity. Oh, what a wonderful thing for us. When we were helpless, when we were hopeless, when we were in darkness, when we were blind, when we were lame, Jesus Christ came and opened our eyes so we could see the light, opened our ears so we could hear the truth, gave us a heart to be able to respond to Him. And then as we cried out to Him, 
You know, as blind Bartimaeus was sitting there, he said, they heard, said, Jesus is coming by. Jesus, Jesus, have mercy on me. Shut up, man. You're just a nasty old blind beggar. He doesn't want to talk to you. He's an exalted rabbi. Jesus, help me. And Jesus stopped because God always hears the cry of a desperate heart. God hears the cry of a desperate heart. He hears your cry. He knows where you are today. And maybe you're thinking of somebody you say, I wish they were here today to hear this. Well, you take the message and go to them with this message. Pray for them and go to them with the message that Jesus Christ can make a difference. Jesus Christ is the only one in most situations that can do anything. And he came to Jesus and, and Jesus said, what do you want? He said, I want to see. And Jesus said, okay. That's simple. As he got up, blind Bartimaeus threw away his beggar's robe. He knew that once he encountered Jesus, he didn't need that anymore. And he came and he was healed. Imagine him saying, oh, I give thanks to the father who sent his son so I could receive my sight. So my life could be transformed. We give thanks to the Father who has qualified us. He's enabled us to share, to have a portion in the inheritance of the saints in light. How many here are saints? If you're a child of God, the Bible says you're a saint, not a perfect person. You're a consecrated, set apart child of God. And he has qualified us, made it possible for us to share in the forever family with Jesus Christ. Amen. As our elder brother, uh, he has enabled us to have a share in the inheritance of the saints in light. And now we come to verse 13. Why? Because he rescued us. He delivered us from the domain, from the dominion of Satan, from the damnation of hell, from the seductions and the threatenings of Satan. He delivered us uh, from that mighty dragon like Joel was talking about. Delivered us when we were overpowered by a terrifying enemy. He delivered us. From the mastery and the slavery of sin. He delivered us from the authority of the darkness that had a grip on us. And we were there like a bug in a spider web. Wrapped around just sitting there. So I can still move my lips. I can still move my lips. I'm okay. No you're not. Spider's got you. He's wrapped around you. You can't move your feet. Can't move your wings. And he's going to eat you shortly. How wonderful it is that Jesus came down and broke through the bonds that held us. He said I came to set the captives free. free. To open the eyes of the blind. To proclaim the good news. Good news. You can go free. You can be transformed. You can be a child of God. You can enter into the forever family. And he transferred us from the domain of darkness. And transferred us to the kingdom of God. We were alienated from God. We were hostile to God. We were under condemnation, we were in bondage and blindness, and he came. And when we put our faith in him, when we called on him, like blind Bartimaeus, have mercy on me, he reached down and showed mercy on us and said, I will welcome and welcomed us in. And he transferred us. Listen, it's not just a little idea, well, I think I'm going to be good this week. I'm going to be a nicer person this week. It is a transformation of the heart, a heart transplant. You know, Brother Paul was just telling me that he knows of this lady. She needs a heart transplant. Her old heart's messed up. She's going to die from that. She needs a new one. We were dying. And Jesus came and gave us a heart transplant, transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. And when we were transferred into there, we became willing. We made willing surrender to him. And everything that we have 
is His. We have the spirit of adoption in our heart where we cry out, Abba, Father. Today is Father's Day. And you know, it's, it's such a, a beautiful thing when, when you have the trust of a child and they come to you and hold up their hands like that with a smile of expectation on their heart. They, they trust you. They say, lift me up, love me, lift me up. And you can lift them up and love them. And as we come to God, we hold up our hands and say, will you please take me up? Will you comfort me? Doesn't matter the oldest person here. There's times we need comfort. There's times that we need guidance. Times that we need to experience that wonderful comfort of knowing somebody bigger and stronger and wiser than us has a hold of us. Amen? Amen. Another way when we hold up our hands, as you saw us singing there, is holding up our hands in worship. Because when you know who Jesus is, when you start getting a grip of somewhat what he's like, you don't care what anybody thinks about you. Yes, I'm glad to worship him. Yes, he's worthy. Yes, I want to worship him. The angels in heaven aren't saying, well, I wonder if anybody's looking. No, loudly they're praising God. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. You're worthy to receive honor and glory and victory and majesty. Everything is made by you and everything owes you its praise and allegiance. And they cry out loudly uh, to God. Who is this king of glory? That uh, song uh, is won by uh, Third Day. It says who is the this king of glory that pursues me with his love and haunts me with each hearing of his softly spoken words. Have you ever heard that voice softly in your heart? You know, another old hymn says, softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling to you and to me. See on the portals, the windows of heaven, he's waiting and watching, watching for you and for me. Who is this king of glory that pursues me, chases after me with his love and haunts me with each hearing of his softly spoken words. My conscience, a reminder of forgiveness that I need. Who is this king of glory who offers it to me? Who is this king of angels? Oh, blessed prince of peace. Revealing things of heaven and all of its mysteries. My spirit's ever longing for his grace in which to stand. Who is this king of glory? The son of God and the son of man. His name is? Help me. His name is Jesus, the Lord Almighty, the King of my heart, the King of glory. Who is this King of glory with strength and majesty and wisdom beyond measure? The gracious King of kings, the Lord of earth and heaven, the creator of all things. Who is this King of glory? He's everything to me. What about to you? Is he everything to you? The Lord of earth and heaven, the creator of all things. He's the king of glory, and he's everything to me. Jesus transferred us into the, or God transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. And since we're in his kingdom and Jesus is beloved, guess what we are? Beloved with him. And he, and verse 15 starts just this wonderful revelation of who Jesus is. He is the image of the invisible God. The Greek word there is icon. He is like a statue. You know, uh, when, when they're doing a portrait of somebody or doing a statue of somebody, they take all different angles and take everything and try to get an exact representation of that person. Jesus is the exact representation of the invisible God. You want to know what invisible God the Father looks like? Look at visible God the Son. 
Look at him as he's revealed. You say, well, I can't see him. Hey, you can read about him and you can read about the people who saw him, heard him, touched him, and were with him. What they say uh, about him. And the Holy Spirit can open up the eyes of your heart so that you can see him. He is the image, the exact representation. He is the exact likeness and the exact manifestation of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. Now Jesus, some, some cults teach that Jesus was born and then he created other things. No, this is firstborn in the sense of he is the heir, the exalted leader that the, receives the double portion from the father. He is co-equal with the fathers. It says on down here in verse 14, he is the creator of all things. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Jesus Christ is not a creation. But he's the firstborn. He is the preeminent one uh, in creation. For by him, verse 16, all things were created. Jesus is the creator. And if you imagine, somebody raise your hand, tell me some part of the creation that just really awes you, that you just love. Yes. All the different changes in the sky. Somebody else. Yes. Yes, I like to sit out on the porch sometimes and just watch that lightning popping down and hear the thunder roaring and the wind blowing. It is, it's amazing. Yes. Pardon? Babies. Babies. Yes. And she's a grandma, a great grandma. <laughs> yes. Got lots of babies, right? Uh, and, and, you know, you ought to see the children flocking around our people as they go up to seamless summer. That's a wonderful thing. Creation of God. That cell. A cell multiplies to become an eternal being with a brain that is beyond our comprehension. Uh, it is amazing if you just watch the development of babies. Somebody else, what else has God created that's special? Yes. Flowers. You know, I, uh, last, last year, what are those flowers we planted? Zinnias? Is that what they are? Okay. We planted zinnias. And then after a while, the hummingbirds come. And I just love to stand at the window. And those little, little things just... And they stick that beak down in there. The, the beautiful flowers, the beautiful birds. God, the great creator. Jesus, it says here, by him, by Jesus, everything was created both in heaven, in the heavens and on the earth. Angels, authorities, principalities, and powers, all of them are created by him and they're subject to him, visible. And he made invisible things. You can't see atoms with your natural eye, but they're here. You can't see protons and neutrons. They're here. You can't see your DNA, but all of this is designed by Jesus, the great creator, and all things being created through him and for him, and that includes who? You touch your neighbor and say, that includes you. That includes you. You were made for him. You were made by him. All things created for him. And through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. He is the glue that holds the whole universe together. You know for the atoms not to just fly off and go zinging back and forth. And just chaos and disintegration to happen in, in, in all of the, the world. Jesus Christ holds it together by the word of his power. He is the capital W word. And by the word of his power he holds all things together there's a, something most of you have probably already read but uh, 
I want to read it today. One Solitary Life. He was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in another obscure village where he worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never went to college. He never visited a big city. He never traveled more than 200 miles from the place where he was born. He did none of these things usually associated with greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33. His friends ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for his clothing, the only property that he had on earth. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Nineteen centuries have come and gone, and today Jesus is the central figure of the human race. You can clap for that, yes, and praise God together. He is the leader of mankind's progress. You know, in, in the colleges and universities of our country and across the world where they make fun of Christianity, most of the sciences that they're teaching originated with Christians who said there is an organized God and therefore there must be principles here. And, they search, and, and, and if you study the lives of those people, all through the sciences are wonderful Christian people. Today, Jesus is the central figure of the human race, the leader of mankind's progress. All the armies that have ever marched, all the navies that have ever sailed, all the parliaments that have ever sat, all the kings that ever reigned, put together, have not affected the life of mankind on earth as powerfully as that one solitary life. Amen? You can praise him again. The Lord Jesus Christ came into this world and he changed it. All of history, from Adam and Eve on, was looking forward to the one promised in Genesis 3.15. The one who would come and crush the serpent's head after the serpent had bit his heel. Uh, evil has been in this world. But all the while evil has been in this world, God has had a plan. God was looking forward to Jesus. Now, he reached out to people all through the centuries before Jesus. And he's reaching out to all people all across the world since Jesus. We, they looked forward to Jesus. They offered lambs and sacrifices. But then when Jesus came, John the Baptist pointed to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, the one God has provided, capital L, capital G, the Lamb of God, the final sacrifice for sin. And Jesus came, lived a perfect life, and he, God come in the flesh, died a sinless death. I was talking to somebody this week about how can Jesus die for us and it be effective. You see, if you're on death row and I die in your place, I can only take one person's place. Everybody else is still in trouble. But because Jesus was God, the God-man, he, he was more valuable than all of us from Adam to the last person. And he could die in our place. And whatever happened in, in the Garden of Eden, we don't fully understand. We understand some of it. The Bible says they, that by one man, Adam, sin came into the world. But that word sin is a big word. It is a word of profound impact on all of creation. Lions used to eat grass. They suddenly started eating sheep and antelope. And antelope said, what happened to him? Well, you know, he got up on the wrong side of the bed today. Evil came into the world. 
man, man and woman who were made to be partners and to work together and subdue the whole creation, now suddenly we're hostile to God, hostile to each other, and hostile out into creation. And things that used to come easily, the ground used to produce easily. Now there was a curse in it, and thorns came, and opposition. And God said, by the sweat of your brow, you're going to raise crops up. And by the, uh, the sweat of your brow, and then you will die. Your life will seem almost futile, except God made us eternal beings. And if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, today I'm going to talk to you about Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you lots of things about him. But it, it, it won't do you any good if it's just academic in your head. Satan knows all these things, but he resists him. Satan knows these things, but he refuses to surrender. Have you given your life to Christ? Have you said, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him and in his presence daily live. I surrender all. I surrender all. Have you put your faith in him? Your trust in him? He's worthy that you should trust him. For it's the Father's good pleasure for all fullness to dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Jesus came to reverse the curse. He came to fix it. But there was a terrible price to pay. Evil came into the world. Jesus Christ came and he took all of that into himself. It's, you know, we say he bore our sins in his body on the tree. But he didn't just bear the, the guilt and the penalty for our sins. He took into himself that that we're born with, that nature uh, that is in rebellion against God, that nature that is automatically hostile to God, that dead spirit that we had. He took into himself all of that and then died, descended into hell, went and preached to the spirits in prison, and on the third day rose again from the dead, victorious over death and the grave and Satan. And he began the change from deadly sin's winter back into the beautiful spring that God created this world to be in. He began the process. It's not finished. It's still in process. If you give your life to Christ, that's not the end. Okay, I got some fire insurance. I'm going to heaven. No, no, no. You enter into a relationship with him. You enter into the fullness of his spirit. You enter into him changing all of your life, being with you in every situation. So we're talking about the incomparable, the supreme, the all-sufficient, the preeminent, the incomparable Jesus Christ, who's the radiance of God's glory. John Piper talks about the supremacy of Christ, the supremacy of his deity. Jesus, listen, he was equal. If you just want to write down these words, if you've got your bulletin there, you want to write them down, you can. You can think about them later because you won't remember them all, um, if not. Talk to me later. I'll make you a copy or I'll tell you where to find it. But uh, these are wonderful things to think about. Just think about it. Jesus, my Savior, is God. Amen? Amen. Almighty. Amen. There is none mightier than Him. None wiser than Him. God Almighty. His, the supremacy of His deity. He's equal with God the Father in all His attributes. The radiance of His glory. The exact imprint of His nature. He's infinite. No beginning. No end. Boundless in all of His excellence. He is supreme in his eternality. 
That makes our mind just explode with that unsearchable thought. That's an amazing thought. He never had a beginning. We can't comprehend that. One of these days, time will be no more. We're in that slot where there is time. And we can't understand that. Can you only use what you understand? No. My Sophie can walk in here. She knows that when she flips that switch, the lights come on. She does not understand that. She just knows that. She doesn't know about turbines and wires and electricity flow and all that. She just knows, flip the switch on, lights come on, flip them off, daddy shouts. Okay? Uh, you know, she just knows certain things gonna going to happen. You don't have to understand all about this. Let me tell you, the Word of God says it's true. And if you say, well, why should I trust the Word of God? Meet me later. I'll talk to you about this. If this isn't true, if God's Word isn't true, if Jesus isn't real, oh, my word, you're in trouble. You live in a hopeless, meaningless universe going goodness knows where. And you have no hope except what you can try to control. But Jesus is real. This Word is true. And you can trust it. Jesus is God. Jesus is eternal. He never had a beginning. Simply always was. It's sheer, absolute reality. While the universe is fragile and contingent, like a shadow by comparison with his all-defining, ever-existing substance. Jesus is supreme in his dependability, in his constancy, in all of his virtues. You know, there, there are some people, uh, I remember a young friend of mine when he was about 15, he, he looked me in the eye and told me a lie. And I said, oh, man, you just bald-faced lied to me. That hurts my feelings so bad. I love you, and I want good things. And I know now that if you'll lie to me, you'll steal. And if you'll steal, it just goes down from there. But Jesus will never lie. Jesus will never steal. Jesus will never change. He is dependable in his virtues, in his character, and his commitments. He is the same and forever. Amen. He's supreme in his knowledge. The Library of Congress looks like a matchbox and all the information on the internet like little 1940 farmers, almanac and quantum physics and everything Stephen Hawking's ever dreamed about seems like a first grader because Jesus is the source. He is full of knowledge and the knowledge that he has just the little bit that we study about our brain. We use a minuscule part of our brain and God created the brain. God, you know, uh, uh, Sally's going through reconstruction, you know, on her shoulder, trying to do that. It's amazing how our body works together. And when this hurts, everything else hurts, right? Uh, but she's got her arms back where she can raise them up when we're in worship. Yeah, she told me that last night. So uh, he is supreme in knowledge. He's supreme in wisdom. He is never perplexed by a complication. And uh, he doesn't need to be counseled by anybody. Do you know him? Is this Jesus living in your heart by the Holy Spirit? As you face things, you know, some of you young people, you're trying to decide, where am I going in life? What am I going to do? Some of us are facing this challenge and that challenge. Uh, if you don't mind, check that temperature on that one there, please. Um, I got that one set on 68 as low as it'll go. Um, he is God. He is eternal. He is dependable. He is knowledgeable. He is wise. He has a supremacy of authority in heaven and earth and hell without whose permission no man, no demon can move an inch. Listen, do you believe this? Yes. Oh, okay, good. Back there, you know, <laughs> you, you can be sure. Listen to these things. God offers you a relationship with 
Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, He offers you not just a toleration, but that He wants to welcome you in as His brother. In another way, He says He wants to welcome us as His bride. In another way, He says, I want to be the head. I want you to be the body. I want us working together to accomplish the incredible. I have not seen, ear has not heard, it hasn't entered the heart of man, the imagination of man, what God has prepared for those who love Him, but He is revealing that to us now. You can experience God week by week, day by day in your life. Now you can't tell him what to do, but you can sure talk to him about things. Like we said the other day, Jesus was invited to the wedding in Cana. He went to the wedding. That was a smart thing to invite him there. They ran out of wine. His mama comes to him and says, son, uh, we got a problem. Oh, it's real smart to invite Jesus to everything you're doing. It's real smart to tell him whatever it is that you're facing. And then it's really smart. Whatever he tells you, do it. Whatever he tells you, do it. Yesterday, I felt like I was supposed to do uh, a thing for a person. And I got up early, and I went, and I did that. I had plenty of other things to do, but that was what I was supposed to do at that time, that place. And then as I was doing that, I saw all the good things God was doing out of that that I couldn't have anticipated. Do you know how to hear God? Do you know how to listen to Him? Do you know in the emergency room how to hear God's voice there? Yes. A lot, a lot of times you're praying, right? Oh, Lord, help. What do we do now? We can experience God, have God himself with us, eternal God, dependable God, all-knowing God, all-wise God, all-powerful God, and then the supremacy of his providence without a single bird falling to the ground in the furthest reaches of the Amazon forest, and he knows about it, even the hairs of your head. Now, I used to think that he mathematically counted them, and I knew that it was easier and easier with me and John, but, you know, uh, but it is not. That he just mathematically has. He affectionately counts them. You know, uh, when I'm playing with Sophie. Uh, and, and I'm doing stuff. Uh, it's affectionately. She's special. She's my girl. I, I'm trying to communicate with her. There's affection there. God affectionately has counted the very hairs of your head. You say, well how could he take care of all of that? He's God. Two fundamental facts of the universe. He's God. And you're not. He has all authority in, in, in providence. He is at work in everything. Listen, the communist philosophy, which some people are promoting in our country in great ignorance. Communism says you are a accident in a random universe. You just happened and you are expendable for the good of the great machine going goodness knows where. They don't care about you. Stalin, 9 to 15 million people mowed down, non-combatants. Hitler, 6 to 8 million people. Mao Zedong, with his policies and terrible policies and stuff that he did, 35 to 45 million people. One person breaks our heart that we know. 35 to 45 million people because of his ideas and his demands. Non-combatant people died. Oh, my word. The darkness of this world. When I tried to preach to you the last couple of weeks about darkness, the darkness that's here, the oppressor, the oppression, the hatred, the selfishness, all of the evil that had come into this world and brought all kinds of misery into this world. And Jesus came, the light of the world, into the darkness to bring us into back into reconciliation with God. Uh, Jesus is supreme in his word of power that moment by moment holds up the universe and holds
holds the molecules and atoms together. Uh, the continuous supremacy of his power. Jesus walked on water. Can we walk on water? Why not? Can people walk on water? I said, can people walk on water? Peter did, right? Can people appear and disappear? Philip did. He appeared 35 miles away after he baptized the Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, can a million and a half people be fed with bread from heaven every day for 40 years? Well, that was way back then. Well, has the battery gone dead? Do we need the Energizer Bunny here? God's power is constant. It was before the world was created. It is now, always will be. This is God Almighty. Supreme. He can cleanse lepers, heal the lame, open the eyes of the blind, cause the deaf to hear. He's the one who set the boundaries of the ocean. The waves come rushing towards the shore. They say, I'm going to go further this time. I'm going to go further this time. God has set a boundary. They're not going any further than he allows them to go. He controls everything. The supremacy of his purity. He never sins. There's not one millisecond of a sinful attitude or a lustful thought. In God, the supremacy of his trustworthiness. He never breaks his word or lets one promise fall to the ground. His justice to render in due time. Oh, listen, now don't raise your hand. How many of you are bitter? How many of you are unforgiving? How many are saying, vengeance is mine, I will pray, says the Lord, please use me. <laughs> I want to hurt him, and I want to hurt him bad. You know, we go from anger to wrath, to malice. Malice is that settled, cold, calculating, said, ooh, if I could hurt you, I would hurt you. Be assured of this. Let go. Let go. Turn it over to God. Try to fix it with your brother and sister. Try to fix it with your enemy. If you can't, let go. God is just. The Lord Jesus is just, and he will render, render in due time all moral counts in the universe settled in the, on the uh, cross or in hell. And the lake of fire. The supremacy of his patience. To endure our dullness. Decade after decade. And to hold back his final judgment. On this land and the world. So that others still have opportunity to repent. His sovereign servant obedience. That Jesus had to keep his father's commandments perfectly. And then embrace excruciating pain. Of the cross willingly. Listen to me. 1 Peter 2. 23. You should have that as a verse that you mark down and carry with you as part of your philosophy of life. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23. Jesus, as he was suffering and being reviled and unjustly murdered, kept entrusting himself into the hands of him who judges righteously. And because he did and went through the cross, went into the grave, went to hell, and rose again in the will of the Father. God used the evil that Satan planned. Satan thought, I got him. He's done. Then Jesus said, I'm breaking out of here. You, you, you can't. Really? Colossians 2, we'll get there, says, He disarmed the principalities and powers. A translation of that word says, He stripped from Himself 
the principalities and powers. I just imagine all the demons piled on and he just stood up like the Incredible Hulk, except he was majestic and he started throwing them from himself and he marched out victorious from the grave, victorious over death, hell, the grave, the victorious conqueror. To the depths of the penetration of the curse, he stepped out. And I know I repeat that to you all, but it's because I want you to have it in your heart. Jesus is the mighty conqueror. He has set us free. In his uh, servant obedience, in his meekness and lowliness, and the band, you had a song you want to do at the end, you can go ahead and come up. The supremacy of his wrath that will one day explode against the world with such fierceness that people will call out for the rocks and the mountains to crush them rather than face the wrath of the Lamb. The supremacy of his grace, that amazing grace that gives life to spiritually dead rebels and wakens faith in hell-bound haters of God and justifies the ungodly with his own righteousness. The supremacy of his love that willingly dies for us even when we were sinners and frees us from ever-increasing joy in making much of him forever and his inexhaustible gladness in the fellowship of the Trinity, the infinite power and energy that gave rise to all the universe. So let me just go over this again. Jesus is God. Is he God to you? Jesus is eternal. He is dependable. He is filled with knowledge and wisdom and authority and providence and his word of power is still at work in the universe. His power to allow us to be able to do whatever it is that he wants us to do is still there. His purity, his trustworthiness, his justice, his patience, his servant-hearted obedience to his Father. He was co-equal with the Father. The Holy Spirit magnifies the Son. The Son magnifies the Father. But they're all equal, equal in every way. This is our Lord Jesus Christ. And it says here in our passage for today that through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him to us say, I say whether things in heaven or on, on earth. And although you were formerly alienated, this is what you were, and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, and some still are, hurtful, evil, malicious, degenerate, obscene, crude, offensive deeds, yet now... He has reconciled you, fully restored you into friendly relations with him through his fleshly body, through death. In order that he can present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. If indeed you continue, you persevere in the faith, firmly established and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard. Which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven and which I, Paul, and made a minister. Next week I want us to look at some of the names and, and titles of the Lord Jesus Christ and to have communion as we think about him. He's like a mighty beautiful diamond with all kinds of facets and you look at him and see greater and greater things and if you get a magnifying glass and magnify him then you see greater and more beautiful things. This is not just a theory. This is not just some religion. This is a real living God with whom you can have a relationship. I hope that you're not careless. I hope that today as we leave this place, Paul, as he said, look what God's done for you. Look who did it for you. It was Jesus. Jesus, God's only son. God come in the flesh. The physical manifestation, the spiritual manifestation of the invisible God. And he loves you. Have you surrendered to him? Do you love him? 
Do you brag on him? You know, if you take these children and you start talking about them and bragging on them a little bit, they just beam and they just smile. My mother used to brag on me sometimes, and I knew what she was saying was an exaggeration, but I was still happy. My mama was bragging on me. And uh, if you will go and brag on the Lord Jesus Christ, God inhabits the praises of his people. He's worthy to be praised, amen? He's worthy to be magnified. The Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and then the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Is God happy? We want to thank you one more time for taking the time to listen to these messages that God's provided our fellowship. We believe he's doing something special among us and would love for you to be a part of it. We hope that you'll take the time to come and visit us in person someday soon. And we invite you to visit our website, covenantcommunitylj.com. There you'll find information on how to contact us if you have a prayer request or if there's a specific way we can minister to you and your family. Until then, God bless you.